Hello, I'm Marve. Hi, I'm Olgas. Welcome to our monthly Marginal Fleet the Show at Kashmir Radio. The focus of this show will be presenting news, music and artists from marginalized groups. Having experienced the intentional blindness of the mainstream media for the problems of queers, non-binary and trans folks and people of color, as a journalist I try to bring visibility to these marginalized topics. During my studies in musicology, I got interested in critical theories that put the existing models of thought into question and realized that such approaches are also needed in music journalism that combine the sound with the context. Wir begrüßen uns und sagen guten Tag. Wir begrüßen uns beim Unterrichtsbeginn. Guten Morgen, guten Tag und setzen uns dann hin. This is Madrektisch and you're listening to Yildizer and Pishinde by Mabal Matus.
Sezen, Ajda Tarkan, Barış Aysel, Müjde Türkan Onlar devmiş gökyüzüne, kimmiş korkan yıldızlardan Uçtum uçtum uçabildiğim kadar açtım her kapıyı Şairlerden çaktım unuttum şöhretin şaşmış kapını We have a very special guest today, uh, Mother Öktish, who is a performance artist and hostess and initiator of the queer performance nights in Istanbul, Dudakların Cengi. Hi, <laughs> welcome, uh, Mother. Hi. So I'll just start with our first question. How did you start performing and how all that became Dudakların Cengi? I started doing queer performances during the Pride Weeks. When was it? It was 2016, I guess, uh, with a with a uh, Lady Gaga performance, which she performed on VMA. I kind of reenacted that. And during that time, we only had the opportunity to go on stage once a year or maybe twice a year during Pride Week, etc. And then we started the shows at Boğaziçi University where we had a competition once a year and an open stage once a year. So after I graduated, things got kind of messy at Boğaziçi University. So many people wanted to perform that they had to, you know, gatekeep in a way. And that made me kind of angry <laughs> so I, I I actually after I graduated I went back to uh, Çanakkale to study Japanese language and then I quit that and came back to Istanbul to start Dudakler and Cengi where we you know had the opportunity to Uh, have an open stage night uh, twice a month or maybe how to say three times in two months <laughs> uh, so it didn't become an instant hit actually so we had a slow start during the first half of 2018 and i actually decided to quit at some point but after i After Madame Matisse invited me on stage during Yıldızların Peşinde at his uh, Harbiye concert, I felt like I needed to, you know, continue conveying that kind of energy. So after that breaking point became Anahit. Anahit opened and it was a an opportunity for us to bring the, our stage, our uh, performances to an to a bigger stage, a bigger audiences. So 2019 was the year. <laughs> It was the year. Um, just to like wrap up a little bit of what you shared with us right now, for which we are very thankful. And what I have already researched about you, that that you were already like performing Dudakler and Cengi. So it was like a traveling company, like dance company or... Mm, you started... I wouldn't say that. No? It, we were 
I I was performing with my friends at some point, like between 2016 and 18. We had our performances at our Pride stage and Mm -hmm. at our Boazci stage. But we brought that to bars. So after we brought that to the bars and stage, bar stages, it has become a traveling show in a way. Yeah, we went to Ankara twice and Izmir twice. Actually, I I want to bring Dudakler Cengi to every living city in Turkey at some point. We'll, we'll see that. We, I don't know if it's going to be in the, in the stage form, etc. But I, I, I have that in mind still. So it's a trial. I wouldn't call it a traveling show. It was an open stage show in the first year. And uh, when Anahit started to uh, host us, we have become a show where I started to book people. So it has become a show for 30 people a night. What was the first uh, place or first bar that you performed? Was it Anahit Um, or another place? No, we were at a place called Ran. It used to be Naya. It was in Misoka. It has its own terrace, etc. So we performed there twice in the January of 2018. And then we went to somewhere else. It was a smaller venue. Because the the first venue told us that uh, they would like to keep their venue a concert hall and not a performance or like a party hall because they didn't get what we were yeah. doing at we, we we didn't know what we were doing at that point though <laughs> so uh, after nine months we started doing it at Anahit. This is Madurektish, and you're listening to Aşkın Olayı by Simge.
influences actually while you were developing your performances and also finding uh, topics for the uh, performance nights like people around you technologies albums music like that kind of thing like what was the factors that influenced you most i kind of built my whole like live performance i will say on my Lady Gaga fandom. Like I'm a living Lady Gaga fangirl every, at every point of my life. Like I breathe and I, I live, I breathe Lady Gaga. <laughs> so she was kind of, her album Art Pop, kind of what's really pushed me on stage, I will say. Her lead single Applause was really influential on my will to create, live artfully, I will say. <laughs> And during the like second half of this decade, did we start a new decade already? Last decade. <laughs> so uh, we were really into RuPaul's Drag Race, but I, uh, the competitive side of it felt really like it really brought me down. When I saw the influence of that competition among my friends, and it really made me like question do, do we really have to put our shows in a competitive way? So do, do we really have to battle each other? So Dr. and Jengi, which is Battle of the Lips, actually, is more like uh, Sasha Velour's nightgowns, where like uh, people are people from different backgrounds are allowed or invited to take place at the show and there's no competition among us. Everybody is a winner is what I say. So during the opening uh, section of the night, I, I uh, list the rules and first rule is like, everybody will uh, leave this venue happily is the first rule. So it's like, there's no competition here and there will be no harassments. Nobody, like nobody is gonna harass anybody and everybody will leave this venue happily. It's like what I aim firstly with, with what we started like to create this culture in nightlife in a way 
my influences are what else mm, uh, I, i'm really influenced by my friends a lot actually like creating something where we feel like it is impossible in a way that that uh, energy that uh, the joy we get from it is really influencing us in a way i will say it's kind of like it's boring to say this but it really is that way <laughs> to me thank you so much um i would like to now ask something which you shortly already mentioned uh, in your uh, first answer that Anahit's uh, Sahne basically became the first uh, stage that uh, provided you a regular um, residency, so to say, where you could like um, regularly perform. But what were the other places, like uh, not maybe not necessarily just for Dudak Narinjengi, but similar or like different, I don't know, drag performances could take place. Like, I don't know, like not necessarily calling, I don't want to necessarily call them queer friendly places or safe spaces, but like where at least the stage was open for drag performances. There are many factors to that, I will say, because some are politically involved in a way that allow you, like not allow, I will say, but open you uh, like a space where you can perform freely. And then there's the side where uh, some like people see that they can make money out of this and like become those performative activists like and then like they create that illusion that there is a safe space there where you can perform and where you won't be harassed as a performer as a guest etc but when something breaks out like when a problem surfaces they don't do anything at all so in uh, the first instance is i will say uh, there are some places like call like uh, medra in kadikoy etc was really welcoming to queer people and they hosted many queer nights and which was a safe space for us i will say and in ankara and uh, izmir as well there were after dudaklenjengi has become a thing i will say Uh, there were many open stage nights and uh, other like queer performance nights in Ankara and Izmir as well. Yeah, like but sometimes you have to put in more work to like transform the venue, transform the owners, organizers, etc., etc., which is uh, which can be fun if you can get results. <laughs> But if you are like uh, splashing like uh, a Magikarp, the Pokemon Magikarp, I would say, <laughs> and not getting any results and you're just being used uh, for your like influence, like when you work with people and that cooperation, that um, collaboration is uh, putting something uh, in their worth, it feels bad it, it it yeah it kind of like i feel like withdrawal in a way so it, there are both yeah how to say two sides there are two sides to the story before we go to the next question thank you so much for being so honest and sharing also this with us um, i mean i cannot imagine the emotional baggage 
of pre-production and post-production of the Dr. Chengi, and of course, while the performance is taking place. Unfortunately, I haven't seen a live show of yours, but I have seen some video footages and even the footages like made me go crazy. But who knows, maybe by the next show, we will be also there physically. And I I call I call myself the wealthiest person on earth because I have all the videos in this <laughs> Indeed. Amazing. Um I was going to also ask a question about the like how you would think of the influence of uh Dudakler and Jenge because uh, you had also mentioned like at first the venues didn't really understand what you were doing. Uh, and but now when we think about the collective and the performance uh, nights now it also provided people uh, to uh, experience with stuff artistically and they could also like start their own projects like musical projects other performance projects um, so yeah what do you think about the like wider influence uh, of what you started with an open stage where people could try new things uh, and go further with them. Uh, I always say this, like I, I started my YouTube channel for my 14 year old self and I started to that Jenge for my 18 year old self, I will say, because um, I, I, I was in need of things, like I was in need of a a person talking to me in my uh, mother language <laughs> uh, about those things and uh, and I was also in need of a stage where I could perform without those constraints of the um, nightlife or like drag families or drag shows uh, that were uh, done before us etc or just uh, um, like what I did was not commercial at at the very start uh, like uh, I just needed to express some things <laughs> and uh, like pride week was actually a great space for that and uh, it's good to hear, like, it was good to hear your question because it, I kind of feel accomplished in a way. Uh, so uh, the, I don't know how wide the influence is, but uh, the people were also already cooking their, like per, cooking their stuff already, I will say. But uh, I think Dudakden Jeng has uh, helped them uh, get to a wider audience and uh, I maybe but also uh, uh, like it's it's good to have a place uh, where uh, rejection is rejection uh, chances are really low so what I wanted to accomplish with Dr. Njengi was that it because I uh, like people can say no to people like us uh, easily and I didn't want to become 
that person. I I sometimes become that person, I would say. I'm human also. <laughs> I have fluctuating feelings, sadly. But, <laughs> um, but are they not the resource of this creativity? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but sometimes I get paranoid and like withdraw myself from stuff, from people, from uh, groups, I will say. Uh, but I just need sometimes I need to be communicated like um, people uh, like gossiping like Lady Gaga wrote a song about it called Babylon <laughs> and I have a song called Babylon as well <laughs> where I list the names of the, the Dr. Jengi performers like at the start of the night we do those uh, runways where I announce every performer of the night so I just felt like when the lockdown started, I kind of felt like uh, creating that runway performance uh, into a song. <laughs> <coughs> so uh, what was I talking about? Yeah, gossip. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the musical projects, etc. they were already cooking, I would say. They did not, uh, Jeng didn't give birth to many of them. They were, people were already like, uh, it's actually very parallel to what I was saying. Like, we just need a platform where we don't get rejected. And Dudakler and Jengi has achieved to, partially become that in our lives, I will say. This is Madurektish, and you're listening to Babylon by Lady Gaga.
of it, ancient city style. Talk it out, babble on. Battle for your life, babble law. That's gossip, what you on. Money don't talk, rip that song. Gossip, babble on. Battle for your life, babble law. Thank you again very much uh, for this reflection. I think this is also a little bit relatable to what I wanted to ask about what kind of um, influence uh, does it have on Dudakler and Jenge that you cannot physically come together now? Because I mean, as much as you mentioned, like you did your YouTube videos for a 14 year old uh, yourself and the show for an 18 year old. And I, I also read some other interviews of you where you are really mentioning this and it's great. <laughs> But I can also imagine, like, for example, what you mentioned now, like you are missing this energy that's coming out while the pausing is happening and so on. And or like, I'm, I'm sure so many much more things are like missing in your life and your friend's life. And without going so deep into the negative side, <laughs> like what is really like... Um, unreplaceable or what 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 do you wish like or are you already thinking of you know you mentioned you tried to do it online but it was not the same vibe and so on but maybe in other formats and so on like how do you think of fighting against this not physically being together mm-hmm. it's actually very complicated like i i i did that song uh as uh like as a re- <laughs> rescue kit, I will say for me, because I was becoming too nostalgic. I was diving too into too into those like hard drives, watching all those videos, etc., and feeling like this has become a thing of the past. And also feeling like once the doors are open, this is gonna become the thing so easily, and it's a like it's a like strong <laughs> fluctuation between both two sides, and we are uh, when we uh, when the uh, lockdowns first started, when we do, did those online shows, we did uh, two Instagram lives. Uh, it's hard to do Instagram lives with so many guests. Uh, Instagram like is not cut for this <laughs> and uh, we also did a, a sc- not a screening but like what's the word <laughs> like we did a live video like live screening I will say of a past show uh, on YouTube but it has also become a hard thing for us because YouTube now uh, doesn't let you uh, like uh, when when a copyright strike copyright strike is uh, sent to a video of yours uh, and you reject that uh, you have it then two days have to pass so you can uh, like uh, like share the video with the others so it's hard like the copyright is what really keeps me back for the for the online shows i will say because uh, we are using a copyrighted material from uh, musicians <laughs> like they are like big com- big big companies uh, they don't easily allow 
because my my uh, former Twitter account also was uh, closed, shut down because of eight copyright strikes from uh, Universal Music. <laughs> like five Lady Gaga songs. Can you imagine? Uh, my account was banned because of Lady Gaga. <laughs> I think I think you should write to her. I think she would be like much more than happy to support you. I'm currently uh, like uh, in conversation with Universal Music Turkey, so I hope they will reopen that account. I sent them the links. <laughs> uh, I, I was going to say something, one more thing. What was it? Nostalgia, copyright. Uh, yeah, like, uh, of course, we've become like mentally unstable in many ways, I will say, during the quarantines. Uh, but as performers, like, uh, it's not uh, only financial, a financial, like, thing that we can perform and make money out of that, etc. The energy, energy that we had here, and what, every night after Dr. Njengi, like, I came back home at maybe 5 or 6 a.m., in the morning and I couldn't sleep until 1 p.m. because I was on a natural high, I will say, because of what we did that night. And I was uh, watching the Instagram stories and uh, like transferring the videos from camera to etc. uploading the videos for the girls to share. It all, it all happened in a day and it was really a, like, that rush of adrenaline, I will say, I don't know if it's only adrenaline, but that's <laughs> uh, that that we really miss. Uh, so, vaccines, be quick. <laughs> yeah, of oh, yeah, we were also uh, in talks with. Uh, some groups in Berlin and Cologne <laughs> uh, to like we were gonna like come to Berlin and Cologne to perform as well and uh, we uh, we went to USA with Jay Tengri to like to do Duke University to have a panel there and then we went to New York and we also had in mind to find ways to uh, perform in New York as well which we did, we found one, and like, it's, <laughs> I was so ready to self-orientalize. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that was a big disclosure. <laughs> Dirty laundries out. Like I, I'm doing all those in like uh, quote unquote marks. I will say, like I like making fun of stuff. Like sometimes I get lost in my jokes. I will say, and I uh, believe in what I uh, make fun of. <laughs> yeah, but it's a process. Like it's always a fluctuation between positions. And was the plans uh, to perform in Germany? That was before the pandemic, right? 
Yeah, we were gonna be there for the uh, um, what's that called? Christian Street, uh, the week, I I suppose. <laughs> uh, you mean CSD, right? Yeah. Christopher yeah. Street Day. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, like um, we were in talks with uh, Gazino Norkern, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, were we? Yeah, and we were in talks with the Come Coming Collective from Cologne. I don't know if you know them. So we were. Uh, um, I was planning to like make a a a tour, small tour, maybe. Uh, yeah, we'll see. There, we're not dead yet. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I'd rather be dry, but at least I'm alive. Rain on me. <laughs> Yeah. Rain on me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you were like, uh, if you also, while you were developing the ideas for uh, Dudakler and Jenge, reflecting on how the uh, drag performances uh, been done before, because I don't know, like 10 years ago, for example, I remember that there were places where drag, performances were also done like I, I can't really remember na- their names but they were like very like expensive places was, yeah and there was also one in Jaida. yeah Jaida, exactly there was this like uh also this like division between the performance and the audience like the audience mostly rather like uh cis straight and performance like rather like creating this contrast between mm-hmm and kind of more like being seen as entertainment. Maybe it also, I can also think of, because I was talking to a, a friend, they were also saying, okay, drag is mostly understood as entertainment, but what I'm doing is sometimes does not fit those places where drag performances are done. Um, I don't know, we were wondering um, if there was like, also a reflection on that like how that can be that that understanding can be changed or uh, transformed yeah um we get that a lot like when we started and when we started becoming popular those people like people working at those places uh people running those places were like uh, what are they even doing what why are they dressed up so cheaply etc like uh, we don't have to look expensive all the time we don't have to perform perfectly and uh, we don't have to have this division of uh, the like spectacle and spectator all the time so what I also had in mind when we started was with those open stage nights was that uh, anybody who feels like it can be on the stage and perform and be watched and be applauded. Our currency is applause. <laughs> like there are other, other currencies as well, but our main currency is applause. And that is very shareable. Mm. I think we managed that. Like we, we got, we got uh, through the, that obstacle, I will say because we no longer feel like uh, um, we are competing with 
other people. Like the competition side is over now among us and between us and others. I will say what that, what does that even mean? <laughs> but uh, uh, I think after we were, I was on Vogue last year and it kind of was the end of discussion, I will say. <laughs> Because like, um, this is for us, by us, uh, through us, <laughs> etc. And uh, that like, we, we try to keep the entrance fee very low. Like it was 10 liras in the first year. Uh, and 20 and 30 for the second year but we also need to survive in a way so i think the uh, drag performances before us didn't have that tradition i will say uh, of tipping because they are charged those uh, middle class and higher class people were charged before they were into the venue and they didn't have that much like Yeah, they don't have that much interaction with the performers. They don't get too close to them, etc. They make so many rehearsals before that. that the, th the thing of us was this. We didn't do any rehearsals. What you saw on stage, uh, like what I saw on stage is, it's, it was the first time I was seeing with everybody else. Like, uh, so there was uh, no chance of creating for a specific audience. We don't know what we're gonna. Uh, experience there like it gives us at some point I started feeling like we're not doing the same thing with other uh, with the those other venues like what you already mentioned like they are for other audiences and we are for us I will say if that's too I uh, I hope that's not too uh, <laughs> alienating <laughs> yeah but Yeah, there is this aspect, definitely. Um, and thank you for your answer. And I also kind of understood that you were kind of like reclaiming a um, community practice. I see that, mm -hmm. right? Like for doing this for each other and making it also a very dynamic and very interactive process, like all this being together and performing and having fun with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's... It's not always having fun though. Like we, mm -hmm. uh, like we are entertainers. Yeah, I get that. Like I embrace that. Uh, like, uh, but uh, after the pandemic, like out outbreak, uh, I think we were started to be treated uh, like entertainers in a way because. Uh, I'm not gonna get into that. <laughs> yeah, I will skip that. <laughs> Maybe later. <laughs> <laughs> I was also watching your videos on YouTube. Uh, and for me, I observed that it was also like... Um, it. I mean, it was not the first time that uh, non-binary identities were talked about but it had a, a quite reach i think like mm -hmm. like those things were uh, being talked about among activists like in um like in more like social circles but 
I kind of think that well, like with performance and with the contents that you created and uh, with also Dudakler and Jengi, it was understood on a different level, I think. Um, and experience also in a different level, like about the more like mere theoretical um, kind of uh, conversation about it. It was, it was maybe lived in a way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't know if you would agree with that or how you think about that. Yeah, it's like I consider Dudak Lerenjengi as a marriage between pop culture and activism in a way. And my YouTube channel was also very pop in terms of that. Like I, I had those theoretical videos as well, but they were... Uh, still too pop <laughs> and uh, yeah we, like we did those videos we played with words in our videos and we played with uh, visuals like uh, visuals in people's minds etc with and they had this uh, even though they didn't uh, get in touch uh, with our theories they got in touch with our aesthetics with our uh, voices uh, uh, which i think became a conversation starter in maybe in their minds only maybe with their friends but uh, i think when you load images on people's minds through popular music uh, and uh, through popular lyrics. Uh, I think you uh, come to people's minds more often, <laughs> which is what I want to accomplish with uh, what we're doing, I think. <laughs> Because when uh, I want people to uh, uh, remind themselves that people who are not men and not women exist in their decisions. Like when you're making an executive decision or when you're making a decision of what you're, which word you're going to use, <laughs> I want you to remember that non-binary people exist and uh, ladies and gentlemen is not enough. <laughs> so you mentioned about your... Um tracks that you released this year one is called Babil On and the other is Babil Off <laughs> so what do you refer to that with that <laughs> actually uh, I released my Babylon a week before Lady Gaga released hers so uh, she's a copycat <laughs> she's not me <laughs> uh, yeah jokes aside um I I just named like the, the song is just a list of names like that we used to like that that we used to do like the runway uh, sequence at the beginning of our show and the EP is called Babil on 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 means ten in Turkish like it's written as one and zero. And it signifies uh, on and off, like one is on, zero is off. And Babilov means 
Uh, it's a fart joke. <laughs> Babidov means uh, like fart in uh, Lubunese, if that makes sense. Like it's mm-hmm. these uh, queer slang in our geographies, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. Then we're going to listen to those tracks. And thank you so much for the conversation uh, and all the insights that you gave. It's my job. Thank you for uh, this opportunity. I like I have become so rusty in English, as you probably uh, like noticed. Uh, but thank you for uh, for the platform to tell a story, tell our stories. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And hope to see you live again very soon after all that is over. I, I'm hoping to yeah, see myself soon. live yeah, again. again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will be I will be very live and alive. <laughs> A big thank you from my side as well. Take care and looking forward to listening to the songs. Madrak Tesha!
You also brought uh, us songs today that's like influenced to Dakler and Jengi in a very uh, important way. Yeah, I wouldn't say just influence, but I based Dakler and Jengi on these songs. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Madurektish, and you're listening to Sarbeni by Brad Bay. olur ben uyanırım aklıma düşer tatlı düşler gün gelir dün yarın olur seni bulursa belkiler düştüm yine sen peşinde daralır yollar her gidişte duyan olmaz hiç kendi keyfine döner gökte vay benim zihnim yasak kitap kaçak tütün kaçar gelin biter düğün sen beni bulursa
This is Madurektish, and you're listening to I by Nuri Harun Atesh. <laughs> And you're listening to Recete by Chichik Chujuk and Willie Ray.
This is Madurekdish, and you're listening to Core by Midnight X and Denis Ashura.
Ablam belgeli bebeğim, belgeli çalışıyor. Ablam çarkı çıkıyor. Welcome to the Dr. Njengi. Now transcend.
Herkese selamlar.
like to make the audience aware of the uh, fundraising project of queer ways who are supporting the uh, night performers of Istanbul who are unable to make money during these times and if uh, if you make a donation of more than 40 euros they send you a t-shirt i think i'm not sure if that's still available but 10 people at the moment are now uh, getting help from the uh, from that fund and we would be really glad if you could uh, share your hard earned money with us 